right, everyone. Welcome to the Indie Basketball Podcast. Uh, this is the podcast where, you know, Indie Rock meets the NBA's finest. And today we're playing ISO ball. We're going one-on-one. We have Craig Hendricks from Japanese Breakfast. for joining man my pleasure uh so it's yeah it's good to finally have you i know we've been talking for a while about getting you on and uh yeah it's, you've had you've had quite the year and we'll we'll start you know uh, craig's from japanese breakfast the grammy nominated japanese breakfast and <laughs> and how, we'll start there like how does that feel man it feels great uh, it feels like pretty unbelievable to be honest is this something you kind of uh ever th- like thought about when you were like getting into like music and like starting bands and things like that? Um, I mean, it's something that you, you see when you're younger, you know, you like see uh, on TV and stuff as far as something that happens in the music industry. But no, it's not something that I, when I was younger, I thought was in the realm of possibility. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, like that said, I believe in our albums enough that especially like, once I started working with Michelle and Japanese Breakfast, I was like, I don't know. Maybe there's an outside chance that the uh, Academy will pay attention to what we're doing someday. Right. Yeah, it, it does feel, at least in recent years, they kind of pick kind of one one band or artist in this realm to kind of like mm-hmm. push into the awards category for like the, uh, mm-hmm. I guess they, they typically throw it into the alternative category. Um, but sure. best new artist and uh, best alternative album, right? Yep. Awesome, man. Uh, what? How did you find out? I was actually driving uh, up 95, coming back from Delaware. We have uh, we store some of our tour gear in Delaware, and uh, so I was down there picking some stuff up uh, and coming back. And I, uh, our manager had uh, texted me uh, a link to the live stream that was releasing the nominations, so I just had it on the live stream playing on, on on my phone or my car and I was driving up 95 and there's lots of traffic and I was listening to it's a lot of nominations that they announced yeah and uh, and they got to uh, to best uh, alternative album and I was just I, I was just freaking out in my car the people driving around to my left and right must have thought I was going nuts because <laughs> I was just shouting to no one in, alone in my car that's awesome. It was a thrill. I couldn't the the I couldn't believe that new artist won. That was that was the icing or the cherry on on, on the top of the Sunday there. Totally. Uh, yeah, that's that's so awesome. I can't even imagine. Um, and I know the the date has been shifted around. Are you guys attending in person? Yep, we're attending in person. It's awesome. We uh, we were worried about it at first because it might have. Uh, conflicted with uh some european dates that we had booked mm-hmm. but it looks like uh it looks like it's going to be in a window where we can get out there and go to the show awesome that's that that's i can't even imagine what it's it seems like a really cool experience so uh congratulations again on that thank you thank um, you it's been a big year in general i know um you also recently performed on the late late show 
Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're, you're kind of in this whirlwind of, of uh, Grammy press and performances and stuff. So what was like uh, playing on the Late Late Show? It was super fun. It's interesting with those uh, kind of the late night stuff. That's the first one we did in studio. Mm-hmm. We had done stuff for Kimmel and for uh, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Uh, but that was all done remotely. You know, it was m- more in the height of the pandemic right. when everything was being done remote. So that was the first one we did where we, you know, set up in the studio and sound checked and then three, two, one, go. And that's your that's your moment to do it. And uh, those kind of anything that's filmed for me is more nerve wracking than uh, playing in a, in a club or a venue or a theater or something right. like that. But um, for Gordon, it, it actually helped like I. It was just an adrenaline-fueled four minutes. And we were also playing the song Slide Tackle, which we hadn't done in, like, that setting before. So that was cool, like, um, to play one. I I love that song. I Mm -hmm. love playing that song. So it was was fun to do that one on TV. It's awesome. The whole vibe at the Corden show was, like, even though we filmed it at, like, 3 or 4 in the afternoon, it felt like... You know, it felt like late night, even though it was the middle of the afternoon, just the, the environment of the place and everything. So it was it was really fun. For sure. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, definitely a big year, not just to for the band, but Michelle also released her book this year. So mm. I'm sure it's been like just a crazy whole year in general and two years just, you know, adding on pandemic stuff. And, and on that note, like, what was it like kind of it's been about four four years since the the previous album so like what was kind of the process getting to jubilee releasing it was interesting largely because we had the record done for so long before it saw the light of day in public and uh you know at first we pushed we pushed the release back a couple months and then a couple more months and uh so the whole record had been done uh, well over a year before it was released and uh, it was kind of nice because I spent months between the time it was finished and the time it came close to release. We started releasing singles and stuff. Mm-hmm. I spent months where I didn't listen to it a single time. Yeah. And that like was a luxury. And that when I finally did listen to it again, I was still happy with it. It wasn't one of these situations where I felt like oh, I wish we could go back and redo this or add that or the other thing. I was just, it, if anything, I, I grew more fond of it in, in the time where I wasn't listening to it or paying attention to it. Sure. So that was kind of a luxury in the end. Um, but yeah, by the time it did come out, it was also around the same time that Michelle's book dropped. So it was like uh, a one-two punch of press. I mean, our band calendar was just kind of insane with the amount of press that Michelle was doing simultaneously. I'm sure. For the book and the record, you know, it was podcasts and interviews all day, every day. Yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, was it, I mean, was there any, you mentioned like not listening to it for a while, but was was there any going back and like kind of tweaking stuff or no? It was just kind of like set. Not really. It was pretty much set. I mean, it was mixed and mastered and in, in I think, oh, I can't remember the dates now, but, um, you know, it was primed for release in June, I think, mm-hmm. of 2020. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it was, you know, with lead time and everything for singles and for press, I think it was probably, you know, it was sealed by uh, February or March. Yeah. Uh, and no, we didn't. We didn't go back at all and 
and tweak anything after it was mastered. It was like, okay, this is done. Mm-hmm. We've done our piece. We can start thinking about how to play it live and then eventually start thinking about what to do after this record cycle is over. But we're still a long way from that, too. Right, so. right. Yeah, and in, in my conversations with people, it does seem like, you know, during the you know start of the pandemic and onward, like uh, re- creating music, releasing music, and then like the second step is like, when do we get to finally play it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure it, it took you a little bit. When was like kind of the first time you got to play Jubilee songs? Yeah, we uh, the first time we we also ex- expanded the band from a four piece uh, to a six piece. So we tour as a six piece band now. Cool. Uh, just there's enough horns and strings on the stuff now that we figured we should have an extra synth that we figured we should have some extra band members. Yeah. So we have Adam Schatz join on saxophone and. Uh, a rotating cast of violinists, Macy Stewart, Molly Germer, um, that have hopped on and do, you know, their the the saxophone or, or violin parts as well as playing synths. So we got started, I guess, last summer. The first proper show we did, I think, was actually the day the album came out. Ironically, but oh, it was cool. for a, uh, at like a Pride Festival in Nashville. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, later in the summer we started touring in earnest and, uh, it was, it was just great. Not only to have the fuller band on stage, um, we added a lighting designer, Kat Borderud, uh, which made the show 10 times better. Just having a custom lighting rig and the same person running lights for us Mm -hmm. every night. And Kat's a musician too. So she, she plays with us in a sense. Cool. And it's just it's just a thrill. Plus, also having that new material to add into the set, it's great. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I mean the, the new album's a ton of fun. It's definitely like a, a different sound compared to uh, soft sounds from another planet. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely a much poppier vibe, and and it's very feel good, especially in contrast with you know Michelle's book being very serious and uh, mm-hmm. heavier. So. Very cool. Uh, how long have you been playing with her? Uh, six, six years, I guess, as Japanese Breakfast. Yeah. Uh, her old band was called Little Big League. Um, it was like a punk-ish band in Philly. Awesome. Uh, and I recorded that. I recorded and co-produced their first record. Oh, cool. Uh, so we've. That was, I guess, two thousand. 12 or 13. Uh, so I've known her and sort of worked with her in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, as, as Japanese breakfast, I think, I think we started working on a couple tunes in December of 2015. So I guess, yeah, six going on six and a half years or so. Cool. Yeah. I've always, I've always been curious. Do you know how the, the name came about? <laughs> you know, the, uh, it was almost like a side project from, Little Big League, the mm-hmm. original Japanese breakfast cassettes and stuff. It was just something for Michelle to do, aside, like uh, away from the Little Big League stuff that was just more experimental and sort of like a like a home recording project. Right. Yeah, I saw uh, something that she would, she would post songs to Tumblr pretty much. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then you know, once Psychopomp came out and and did relatively well and like. Uh, 
got on a label and got a booking booking agent and and publicist and all that kind of stuff and it, it was well reviewed i was like well that's that's the name now like there's no <laughs> yeah. changing it i don't think there ever was really a conversation about changing the name but sure yeah i think it was maybe a more casual consideration than you might think when it comes to naming a band right yeah totally yeah but i think in general it's just a, an aesthetic like uh just you know the the image that that conjures is sort of a, a mood in itself, and I think that was originally where where she was going with the with the music and stuff. So for sure, yeah. I mean, but it's also once like you're in there, a, you're in there, you know? it's yeah, and it's a it's a unique like phrasing of a name, you know. So it, it has its own kind of like I- iconic cachet to it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, pretty easy to Google. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If you don't mind, occasionally looking at pictures of like get some recipes Japanese in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, cool. So yeah, like you also worked on production, um, you're an engineer. Do you have any other side projects of your own going on? Um, yeah, I, I record my own stuff and write on my own. Um, but I don't, uh, I don't release in a, in like a industry standard sure, kind of like way. A formal sense, yeah. I just like occasionally put stuff on Bandcamp. But I'm always tinkering in the studio and have usually have a couple different ideas for albums or, or styles going at once, which is maybe to my detriment as far <laughs> as like actually releasing proper things to get attention. Sure. But uh, but yeah, and then uh, when I have time, I'll work with uh, other people and friends and stuff in my studio. Cool. Um, I worked on a, a record by a band called Longbeard a couple years ago. That was probably the last full length I produced that wasn't a Japanese breakfast thing. Cool. Um, but yeah, I, I like working with my friends. Yeah. When I'm not working with Japanese breakfast. Yeah, definitely. I don't necessarily go out of my way to commercialize the studio and, yeah. and um, in that sense, I'd rather work with people that I know and music that I like that I already like. So cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, is there anything you've been listening to lately that you've been really enjoying? Well, yeah, I, you know, I think, I don't know if it's a pandemic thing, but uh, most of, a lot of my listening nowadays is like calm music. Sure. Um, I definitely listen to a lot more ambient music than I used to. Uh, and I think part of that is just spending a lot of time at home. When I'm, when I'm cooking or something like that, I want something pretty chill going in the right. background. That doesn't demand that I pay attention to lyrics that closely or or whatnot. So, yeah, I think uh, I ended up falling back on groups like Penguin Cafe Orchestra, John Hopkins. Cool, yeah. Um, just that m- mostly instrumental stuff that mm-hmm. just is either pleasant melodies or, or sonically just puts you in a mood. I'd say that's been the bulk of it. And I, you know, try and listen to new releases that come out. That yeah. Seem noteworthy. Yeah. I'm into this new weekend record. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Weekend featuring Jim Carrey is, is always a blast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I I totally get that on, on you know, I, I like to put on some, like, ambient music when I'm cooking, like, Stars of the Lid and, and stuff like that, because it's, like, mm. it's almost like you're scoring like, your life a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it really is, like, a like a relief. I, I feel like if I'm... 
spending a fair amount of time at home doing something I don't have music or or at least something going on to occupy yeah that certain corner of my brain I just like you know I don't feel as chill like anxiety starts to creep in and you just for like, sure living in a different world than we were living in three years ago so it does seem in yeah, general the, definitely helps a lot but yeah the, the pandemic in general like being at home more people whether it's music or movies or shows whatever people seem to be resorting more towards familiar and easygoing like i feel like honestly like tv like people like watching trash tv just because it like makes them feel better and not have to like think about you know no one wants to like listen like listen or watch the shit like sad stuff during this time you know yeah so yeah i get it like i i couldn't imagine that like that movie the lighthouse came out sort of like in the in the height of like the lockdown era and i didn't watch it i was like i'm not going anywhere near that thing it's just like a film as far as i can tell about like two people in isolation and what that does to them yeah like now I'll I'll stick to the Marvel Cinematic Universe right, for a little right, while. Exactly. That'll be <laughs> like there's even that uh, there's a show that that came out recently that I, I've heard is good, but Station Eleven, which is about like an outbreak, and I'm just like I'm not sure I'm, I'm there yet. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, the, some of the people in the band are are into that show, and I was like I haven't seen it yet, and I'm not necessarily like <laughs> right. chomping at the bit to get hooked on that. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, why don't we talk a little basketball? I know, I know you've um, sure. you've said you haven't really kept up much recently. Um, yeah, when's probably think, the last time you well, were actively engaged in it? I think I was just wounded by the fall of the Sixers at the end of the last year. It was like such a. I, I just felt like we were championship bound, if not winning it, at least like maybe we could get to the finals and right. It just hurt. It's you been know, a weird we, off we didn't season. Necessarily, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it sure has. I mean, Sixers are playing well right now. I know we're we're on the way back. And you know, and another thing too is like, it's much easier to pay attention to the playoffs than it is yeah. to the regular season. I feel like more and more of the regular season is just like a giant preseason. It really is. Like, there's moments right now, like, um, you know, Alex Caruso is out six to eight weeks with a broken wrist, and um, Kevin Durant's out for six weeks. It's like that's fine. They'll be fine for the playoffs. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, that's a, that's a weird the Nets aren't going to miss the playoffs, like, you know? Yeah, exactly. For sure. Um, so you grew up a Sixers fan then? Yes and no. I mean, when I was a little guy, I lived in Pittsburgh, so I didn't okay. have an NBA franchise to like to be able to go to games to right. until I was like 12 or 13 when we moved out to the Philadelphia area. Um, so, you know, when I was a little kid, I, I just, you know, followed the bulls like yeah. everyone who didn't have a franchise did right um and uh and then yeah once we got to philadelphia and i like went to my first nba game and it's just it's been sixers since then yeah awesome yeah i mean and that was kind of that was a weird era to become a sixers fan too because there wasn't wasn't a whole lot going on this is like before ai of course right yeah that and, was the uh, weird in between time because it's like what is it? Post Charles Barkley, I guess yeah. in pre Allen yeah, Iverson. I think Barkley yeah. left the year before I uh, before I moved out to the area. Yeah. So like in my mind, uh, he's he's a son. I I feel that way too because like I had to look yeah. it up when you know we have our, we're gonna do a little uh, name association game later. But like mm-hmm. I, when I looked up Charles Barkley, it it doesn't feel like he was there for like seven years like he was. 
Yeah. But like that was like the whole first half of his career. And it, yeah, I always imagine him on the Suns too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, he kind of grew into the, he just got bigger. I mean, even you look at him like when he was on the Sixers, he's still a really muscular player, but like right. he just turned into like this kind of beast in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. That that we that I think we picture him more as than like uh, tough but slightly uh, diminutive, if right. that's even possible yeah. in Philadelphia. I feel like too. <laughs> there's also this kind of uh, iconography of like his like him when he was in Space Jam. <laughs> like yeah. if that makes sense. Like like when he was in Space Jam, I think he was in the Suns then. It's like that was kind of like when I because I was still like pretty young then. So like that's when I noticed mm-hmm. Charles Barkley. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I totally get that. Um, do you, do you have, when you were like, when you finally moved to Philly, did you end up going to some games? Oh yeah. Um, not a ton, but like we'd go down with the family maybe two times a season or something like that. Yeah. And this was the era of like Sean Bradley. Oh was, yeah. Like, as a kid, the most interesting player on the court was Sean Bradley. It was just the tallest gangliest white dude <laughs> who was like kind of okay. Right. But like, but also fun in to Space watch Jam. Just just like, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think he might have been the tallest player in the league for, for a little while. But if he wasn't, he was he was up there. Yeah, I think that there was like always the the stray like super tall dude. Like, um, you had Manute Bowl, and you had like yeah. George Mirasan, who like wasn't super great, but he was like super tall. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Totally get that. Um, when, when do you uh, do you play basketball at all? I did in like intramural, like junior high. I right. played. I was never, I was never really that great. Yeah, same. Uh, <laughs> I never really had the handles, you know. Yeah, I feel, I'm I'm I six five, on the floor. and I feel like I should be better than I am at basketball, but I, I still <laughs> love playing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I we there's a there's a venue in Virginia called Norva. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in it's in Norfolk, okay. And at the venue, I don't know the history of this building, but like this, the like third floor has like a half court in it. Oh whoa! Um, so I think that going there and like you know between sound check and the show, we shot around for a little bit. I think it's the first time I had shot a basketball in like at least fifteen years. Sure. And yeah, it was, it was not pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's always tough getting back. It's been a while for me as well. And I, I I shot around with just with like family, like maybe last summer it didn't go well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You just get so exhausted so fast. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming, uh, you are the only one in Japanese breakfast who is engaged in basketball in any way. Mm, no, I'm Devin, bass player, is probably more on top of sports than anyone else oh, in, cool. the, in the band. He, uh, he, you know, he reads the blogs and yeah. listens to the podcasts and stuff. Nice. I think, you know, as far as basketball goes, we're probably about on the same tier. Cool. But he's like a hockey guy. He grew up playing hockey. Nice. Um, but yeah, you know, like all, all four of the main members kind of... Well, I don't know about Michelle. But yeah, like, as I say, is Michelle dropping Joel Embiid references? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not really. Um, 
but yeah, you know, we, we watch uh, the Sixers when they're on, if they're on somewhere on tour, or the Eagles. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we are, the, the Peter and Devin and myself are all sports fans, mm-hmm. and it's part of, part of, like, our friendship and stuff to keep up with on the road. Sure. I'm sure in general, too, it's just, there's that kind of city pride. I mean, you guys are all from Philly, right? So it's like... You kind of, you know, you sports teams are the are the go to to kind of like support your city. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, so other other than that, I you know I I tend to do a game with when I have people on. Um, it's kind of you, you know taking some players and coming up with what they sound like as a player, what band they represent. Um, so you know you're a Sixers fan. Picked a couple of Sixers players. Figured we'd do this, um, and then you, you mm-hmm. know, you give your your pick. I'll give my pick, and we'll compare. Like the, the fun part of this is usually the justification for why you picked them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, what band? You know, we got four players. What band does starting first? What does Doctor J sound like as a band? You know, I was thinking about this, and he's also another player that's before my time. Yeah. Uh, but just, you know, an icon in Philadelphia. There's like on Ridge Avenue here in Philly, there's like a giant mural mm-hmm. of him in like this really spiffy suit. And it's just like, he just looks like the coolest dude you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. But, um, you know, like his look when he was playing, like on highlights and stuff, like, I basically want to give him a whole genre. Right. I want to give him shoegaze. Oh, awesome. I love that. Because, like, he's the kind of player that, like, almost looks like he's playing in slow motion sometimes. Like, his long arms and just the way that he can, like, like, if he's in the paint or something, he can take, he can be standing still and take shots from, like, five different spots. Just yeah. He has this huge reach and, like, you know, can just just the way he moves his arms like just sort of feels like this broad motions mm-hmm. that, that I was think of like slow dive or like um, or my bloody valentine or something totally. like that so I'm gonna give him the whole genre I of, love that of shoegaze yeah I feel like you it's impossible like your first image when you think of Dr. J it, it's it's in midair like he's yeah. floating you know like that's just kind of like how you picture him makes sense yeah I like that yeah um I went, so my justification was, um, you know, 70s, kind of went, you know, classic, little classic rock. He's flashy. He's funky. I went with ELO. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. It's just, it's, I, wow. it was very specific, like representing the genre and like the, the era and like his, the way they sound is just kind of how I, I felt he played. But the shoegaze is very interesting because now that I think about, you know, the iconography of him like kind of like floating in air and like dunking and you know that's definitely the sound yeah, very mean, spacey he's the guy that uh pioneered the foul line dunk yeah you know? hell yeah oh sweet i mean that's just built for slow motion <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. uh yeah put some suvlaki suvlaki on there and it makes sense yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um <laughs> cool so the next one another huge sixers player ellen iverson yeah Man, when when he was a Sixer, it was thrilling. It was just yeah. thrilling to watch basketball in general because, like, the guy could do anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he took us to a championship. Basically, like, 
you know, him and Dikembe was just like it was. We were all having so much fun watching those games. Totally. And like ga- game game two of the finals, where like AI did the step over. That was basically the championship in my mind. Like <laughs> yeah. that was that was a ring. That was that was it. Like big W. Actually, yeah. Actually, when the pandemic started, and uh, it was just like looking for things to do to pass the time, I found that game on YouTube and just watched the whole thing again. It was great. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, as like one of the greatest of all time, or arguably, some would argue that he was maybe the b- most skilled player of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to give him Michael Jackson. Like it was oh, just yeah. fast. He's he's popping off. You can't really get to him like you, you can't touch him yeah totally he's just like in a different a different category of of player so like i had to give him michael jackson king of pop absolutely um yeah so for mine i'm I mean, curious to see what yeah what, <laughs> what would you come up it's with? it's the more like a reread what i had is like is this sounds so dumb i mean for one i had to my mind immediately went to Bon Iver because I've done Bon Bon Iverson before, um, but that's oh, right. that's right, too right. obvious. Um, so I went with my justification is amazing, amazing talent, but he is he's a me guy, you know. Mm-hmm. He I, I wouldn't say he has the reception of being the biggest team player. Uh, yeah, he kind of embodies just one player out there. Which made me think of Tame Impala because you know he's just one dude, wow. and like that's you know people yeah. think it's a band, but you know he's just one guy. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, really I mean, silly even, reason, absolutely. Dikembe definitely did a lot to get us to the, to the finals, but still, I mean, absolutely, it was Iverson's team, one hundred percent Iverson's team, top to bottom. I mean, people underrate. And before we uh, had Mutombe too, like the Sixers were competitive, and it was just because we had Allen Iverson. Yeah, people, you know, so, yeah, forget that, about like, Eric Snow. One, one and, um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember who, what Derek Coleman was on that team. I think. Yep. Yep. Cool. All right. I think that's probably all the people. Yeah, I can yeah, that's really all we got right now. <laughs> uh, I think Ty Lue might have been on that team, maybe. Maybe no, Tyloo was a Laker. That's who he stepped uh, oh, over. Oh, you're right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay, third up. We'd already talked about him a little bit. Charles Barkley. Yeah. I I this one was tough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, me too. Obviously, like he's already got like uh, the Gnarls Barkley thing is already there too. Yeah, yeah. So like he's sort of been at least name wise, he sort of preempted the the indie basketball thing with the like kind of like Name tie, name and music tie in with yeah. an NBA player, but um, yeah, I mean, just thinking of like Barkley. When I picture him, I picture him like throwing elbows in the paint and fighting rebounds. So I wanted to go with something that like was kind of heavy mm-hmm. and jittery and had a lot of low end. So I went with Don Caballero. Ooh, Remember that band like a math rock, uh, like yeah, like like that Discord sound, like, yeah. It gets a little mathy, and there's usually like, I just uh, some of the bass lines on the one Don Caballero record, I just like feel like I can hear bouncing off of 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 Barkley's shoulders or something yeah. as he's like fighting people off for rebounds. Yeah, I feel like a lot of those guitar riffs, like you you can't predict what's going to happen next, and that's kind of how he was. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's sweet. I haven't listened to Don Cab in a while, and I'm that reminds me that I'm due. Yeah. <laughs> um. My pick was I, I also struggled struggle with this a little bit. Um, 
but I also went with the reason he was a powerhouse. He was kind of, he was pretty intense um, in his play style, long standing career. Um, but he also had a shift later. You know, he's got, he's the NBA analyst now. It's like his second life. Right, um, right, right. So I, <laughs> I went with Jawbreaker. Because he's, you know, obviously Jawbreaker, super intense. You know, they they had their you know moment in like the '90s, um, mm-hmm. early 2000s, and then Blake Schwarzenbach's like, I'm gonna be a teacher, <laughs> and he kind of just <laughs> stepped away. He shifted completely. Yeah. And now they announced a reunion tour, which I'm super excited for. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's kind of my justification. Like, you know, he had a a different pivot kind of post his career. And yeah. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous, but yeah, I, I, I did struggle with this. Thing, like you could do a whole different thing with just like Barkley as the analyst rather than Barkley yeah. as the player. Yeah, completely different sound. Yep. Yeah, I was trying to think of if there's like a musician who was in two bands that were totally different sounds, and I, I'm sh- I'm mm. sure there's tons of examples. I just I just was struggling to think of one. Yeah, but, I mean I'm sure they're out there too. Yeah, but that would take another twenty <laughs> yeah, minutes of brainstorming to find a find the right one. Yeah. Um, so lastly, the well, most. How about this? Um, just on the first one that pops into my head is Alex Chilton, who, Ooh. like, as a player, would have been the lead singer of the Box Tops, and as an analyst, would have been Big Star. Yeah. Because totally. Box Tops were sort of like, kind of like gritty soul almost, like Seattle soul. Yeah. And uh, and then Big Star was more about you know a nicer sound and a little bit more like. Let's let's talk about how we feel. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you could also do like uh, someone who was um, successful band and then successful solo career afterwards. Like, yeah, um, yep, for sure. You could do like the replacements and Chris Bell or, or something like that. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, interesting. Okay, um, cool. So the final one, more recent player, Ben Simmons. Which this could go many ways. I know. <laughs> I have. I have a hard time just not just being mean. So I yeah. ended up being a little mean. I did too. <laughs> but I mean, I was like, it's too bad because I was excited about him when he joined the team and like enjoyed watching him play. I really thought that he was going to come around and like. Totally. I thought he was going to learn to score and that was going to be game over. We would win everything. You know? Even after the playoffs, I still like, I'm like, I still think he's good. I still think he will improve. But then he's just like, I don't feel like playing anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't. You can't account for the head game of a player and how yep. it's going to like come into play with team dynamics and everything. You know, it's totally. just like the the wild card that got thrown down there, and it's just like, well, that's that's going to do it for us. Yeah, there was um there were some really bad flooding in Philadelphia last summer uh, during one of the one of the like crazy storms that came up the East Coast, mm-hmm. and the Schuylkill River like got really, really flooded. And this was right around the time that, like, there was a lot of talk about, like, what is Ben Simmons' future with the Sixers? Yeah. And the Fox Morning Show, which is, you know, like, the kind of show that you wake up to feel good. You know, there's, like, <laughs> a lot of, like, p- people that are too positive, you right. know, and every every news story is, like, a good tug-at-your-heartstrings kind of story. <laughs> they did this clip where they, like, the anchor was like, oh, now we're going to cut away to live footage of Ben Simmons leaving Philadelphia and it was a picture of a dumpster floating down the Schuylkill River and like bashing into bridges and stuff on like uh, rapids of water and I was like this is 
This is doing them dirty. Yeah, completely but, uh, savage. Especially for like a Fox morning show. Right. Unexpected, especially in um, the placement. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Mike Love uh, for my Ben Simmons, who's like the guy who used to be part of something that I adore mm-hmm. and now is just kind of an asshole. So he was like in the Beach Boys and like co-wrote some great songs and was like kind of like lead singer for for a lot of this stuff, especially when when Brian Wilson started to sing less. Sure. Uh, and then like you know late, later in in the Beach Boys career, just sort of like went all right wing and like yeah d- doing all this weird like shit that just like. Hurts me. Hurts me because I love the Beach Boys. Right. And there's just nothing you can really do about it. So he's my he's my Ben Simmons. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of people in that territory you can go with, like Ariel Pink or, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah, anyone who's like, oh, I loved your music, and then you did that. So I'm not really yeah. a fan anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Also kind of where I went, um, once a super hyped band – um, they still put out a lot of great music, but it's really, you know, all at once, everyone kind of turned on them and it's kind of hard to be a fan now. Um, and that's brand new. Uh, mm. I feel like, you know, things happened and people mm-hmm. were just like, I don't know anymore. Like I, it's, it's a very conflicting thing. Cause like Ben Simmons, was, he's super talented and I want to root for him, but yeah. like, I don't, I don't know anymore. Yeah. So that's the, I just I can't imagine where he's gonna go, and like that rep is not gonna follow him. I know, and like and, I don't know if he just like really hates Doc Rivers or something, or like <laughs> what's going on with this whole thing. But like, how is he gonna go to another team, and and like a city is not gonna be like, oh, I'm just waiting for him to like. It's also do some not helping stuff. that Philly is not; they're rejecting pretty good offers. Um, yeah, De'Aaron Fox, like. Was I mean that's I feel like that's a pretty solid return. Granted, I think you'd have to get rid of Tobias Harris was one of the trade offers. I don't. Yeah, I mean more and more it's looking like Toby's going to have to go too, which is yeah. sad. But what are you going to do? It is tough because I get it. Like the Sixers are now currently like I think they're the three seed, and I it's it's tough because like they're playing well. You don't want to mess that up if you can. Mm. Um, yeah. But something. I mean I don't know. You just let him walk i guess and just let, let it go i don't know it's tough i don't know i think yeah i really don't know but i mean fortunately in a weird way it like frees up even more space for Embiid to be like i'm the man totally. which already he was he had that on lockdown and now there's even like just that extra like 15 percent of team attention yeah that he can be like yeah that's mine now and that you know he feeds on that so yeah I'm sure that, that was sense, also good. part of the contention. Well, so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, early, like a couple seasons ago, it was like, well, we might not be able to keep both these guys mm-hmm. for the long term. Which one would you rather see the Sixers <laughs> keep? And for a minute there, there was actually some debate. And now it's just like, it seems ridiculous yeah. to me. Yeah. I mean, there never would have been a debate. He's been MVP conversation two years in a row. So I think, I think that's settled. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's that's all I got for the game. Um, and that's that's really kind of, I think, all we got for today. Uh, I want to thank you again for joining. Uh, it was it yeah. was really good talking about, um, you know, Japanese breakfast, talking about some basketball. Um, 
congratulations again on the Grammy nomination. Hope you have a great time at the Grammys. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks again thanks for joining. For, uh, Anything, uh, I guess, I've not really much to plug. I guess it's pretty self-explanatory, right? Anything else you want to plug? Yeah. No, I mean, just come see us at a festival sometime this summer. That's about, that's about it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks again for joining, man. Um, yeah. And everyone listening, we'll see you next time. <laughs>